What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you so much. I do not take your time lightly, so I always thank you guys like a million times opening the show because you're the reason I do it. You're the reason I get to sit here in the NRM studios and bring you the drop-in every week. Now that uh, they're starting to open up the country a little bit, I can get back to what we do, and that's bring you some exciting guests every single week from here on out to inspire, motivate, entertain you guys. Who do you have this week? Who's exciting this week? This week, there's this guy, you know, Ian Bensemin. No, it's Ian Bensman. If you watched episode one, you got a little taste. I heard that dude's a jackass. I would have to argue that. I've known him for a little bit, and he has never been a jackass to me, and so I'd have to argue that point. But anyway, thank you very much for tuning in today. Episode 2 with Mr. Ian Benzman. And, um, you know, where we left off, we were talking about uh, just the evolution of NRM and whatnot. And here at NRM, there is uh, Geektainment. Mm-hmm. And Geektainment is pretty cool. I see everything everywhere. Um, you know, has that always been a dream? Did it come to fruition with NRM? How, how does that work? And who's involved? I know Andy Bishaw is a major player. That yeah. dude is awesome, too. I love Andy. Andy's he, great. He's also a big part on the animated pilot that we'll chat about. A second. Um, he um, so we started NRM, um, and basically my goal was to have you know put the geek programming as we had the geek channel. We've always had the geek channel. Um, so well, not always, but we've had it basically since I started doing my show, Geek Damon Weekly. Um, so essentially, what happened was is Comic Con that whole Comic Con thing started to happen. And we had already talked about starting to do, like, a geek website. Um, and essentially, because of Comic-Con, we were able to really pull the trigger on it and go, hey, we're going to launch Geektainment, um, you know, just for the fact that's what we love. Um, I live, you know, superheroes, comic books, all that stuff, Star Wars, you know. I was on your show once, and I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing. Like, you got, I, uh, at least I said something relevant and funny because it was like way above oh, my, way above my pay grade. But. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we, we launched Geektainment, and then, um, so our second guest on Geektainment Weekly, my show, um, was Rob Paulson, the voice of Yakko um, from Animaniacs, Pinky from McGee and the Brain, um, Snowball, if you're Rick and Morty fan, he was the puppy. Um, and so, the reason I mentioned that, and I'm not trying to segue to the pilot, but I, because of Rob, I met this guy, Jeff Zanini, um, who I now talk to day, multiple times a day daily. Um, and so Jeff did this really awesome thing at the cons called Twisted Tunes. And what Twisted Tunes is, is essentially um, all of these famous voice actors, you know, the Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, um, very, you know, Batman, all these various people. And they will read a parody version of like Star Wars or Breakfast Club or you know, something like that. So sheer brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. Sheer brilliance. I've called him multiple times to be like, "Thank you for letting me be a part of this." Like, yeah. um, so Rob, I was like, "Hey, can you introduce me to this guy?" Because I I knew about the idea, I loved the idea, and as far as I could tell, he wasn't really doing anything beyond YouTube. So, um, long story short, um, I got him to you know we partnered together and we agreed to put Twisted Tunes on Geektainment, and then um, I don't know if I can talk about this next thing yet. Um, we have another really cool thing that we're taking from another really big geek platform. Online. Well, we'll we'll get into that a little bit as much as you can as we're closing the show because I like to close with what's upcoming projects, oh, yeah. get people hyped, yeah. you know, have them check you sure. out. Now you brought up uh 
let the Wookiee win. Mm. And uh, J.R. Adams was on the drop-in, episode three. And J.R. Adams, amazing dude. Mm. Uh, honestly, like, friend of a friend. First time I actually met him, he was walking in the studio. Dude's like... 12 foot tall. He looks like a freaking giant. He comes in with a Santa Cruz skateboard shirt on. I'm like, winning. The dude's winning. Uh, But anyway, you can go back and watch that show on the drop-in. Amazing story. He broke his back as a professional wrestler. And he's like, hmm, I need to tone my life back a little bit. I think I'll become a Hollywood stuntman. A Hollywood stuntman. Yeah, that's toning it back. But just an an amazing human being. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only his accomplishments, but uh, as a person. The dude is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and him, he's a Star Wars guy, yeah. uh, you guys hit it off. That started off, yeah, Comic-Con. It was it was like, hey, you like Star Wars? I like Let's do a Star Wars show. And then a couple months later, we were doing a Star Wars show. And he's huge. He looks like a freaking Wookiee. I mean, a dude is huge. <laughs> yeah. But you definitely have to check out, uh, one, if you want to know Jay's background story, go back in the uh, drop-in archives and check out how he came to be where he is today. And then let the Wookiee win. Uh, I mean, if you're remotely into Star Wars, check it out. Oh, no, wait. Come on in here. Can you get in here? There he is. He just looks through the glass and smiles at me. We might have a bonus if we can figure it out. Yeah, because we're going to do this literally when when your show ends, we hop right in here. Yeah, well, Jay, again, he's awesome, dude. You, You know. It's. Uh, I guess I spoke it in a manifestation or something. That happens in this studio. We've we've been responsible for some things happening outside of the studio that we've mentioned in here, and it's some sort of magic. It, it is. Not it is. always in a good way. We accidentally gave, well, Tom Hanks COVID, but that's like a different... <laughs> Just some magic voodoo going on there. I don't get into it. So let's talk. You, you, you've hinted at a few different projects. I want to talk about In the Cloud a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so let's start there. You know, we did the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one, do you write music? Oh, yeah. And then and then decide, okay, this, is gonna, this could be a song. Let me see who else I can be involved. Do you hear the other instruments in your head at all? How does that go? So I always start with either the rhythm guitar or the lyrics. Um, so the first album I did, I originally did have a bandmate. Um, bless his freaking soul, because he would sit there and listen to me go, no, this is how I hear the guitar. And he'd play it. And so for three years, we made an album together, and he would he would literally just sit there, and I'd go like, this is how I hear it in my head. And then he would play it. And then I'd go outside to have like a cigarette and come back in, and he would like touch it up in his own special way, because he was a freaking wizard. And I'd be like, whoa. Is the album available anywhere for anybody yeah, to hear? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, How can our listeners hear that? So it's on Spotify, Apple, pretty much everywhere music streams. Uh, it's called We Are All. The band's called In The Cloud. Uh, we Are All is one word. Okay. So, um, yeah, the album's on there. And then right now, um, <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm in the middle of recording an album, but I'm sitting on about two and a half albums worth of music that I'm trying to figure out how to put out. Because um, I don't want to just put out two albums. I kind of I love what the gorillas are doing right now. I don't know if you know what they're doing. They're doing this thing called Song Machine. Okay. Where they're basically like, oh, we're putting a single out. There's a music video, and then three weeks it kind of just like permeates, and then they go, oh, here's another one. And so they're kind of breaking the traditional release cycle. Okay. Um, and I kind of want to play around with that a little bit. Um, it's interesting for any kind of musicians who, uh, you know, the traditional model where you know you put out a collection of 12 or 15 songs if it's on an album or CD or whatever right. it was and then the label promotes one single and you hope that does well uh-huh. and then the consumer would have to buy the whole album to get the one single mm-hmm. to, and then they fall in love with the rest of the album and then the touring and then it starts yes. all over again and, and the model is so different now mm-hmm. you think it's better or worse I like it um, I it, there's 
my favorite band's Gorillaz. So the first three albums came out five. So the first two albums came out five years apart. Third one came out seven years after that, I think it was, or something like, no, five years and then seven years after that. But I'm used to waiting a long time for my favorite bands to put out music. So the fact that I've gotten the equivalent of almost three Gorillaz albums in four years, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but at the same time, I also have bands, like one of my other favorite bands is The Shins. Yep. They only put an album out every four-ish years, five-ish years. Um, I'd love it if they put out more music. But then again, it's hard to um, constantly put out music so frequently especially when you've been doing it for so long right um, you know now uh for me you know there's some bands i uh, you know i'm not i i'm an acdc fan but uh, you know if you hear one record you got a pretty much a version of them all mm-hmm. i like to see a band going through some evolution some changes you know where if i bought the third album it does not sound exactly like the first oh, yeah. album i'm gonna uh, go out on a limb and say you enjoy that as well one of my favorite bands is radiohead I love it. Every album is different, but it has that Radiohead sound to mm-hmm. it. Um, oh, I'm so like that. I love... There's nothing worse than when a band just keeps the same sound. And then, the next, I take that back. The only thing worse than that is when they devolve into a sound you don't like. Ah, uh, that could be a problem. You know? You know? Um, like, I, mean, I was a huge Fitz and the Tantrum fan. Like, I'll still go see them live. But when they first came out, they were super, like, Motown poppy. And now they've gotten more, a lot more like, synth poppy. And it, they still put out an amazing show. But their last album just didn't do it for me like their first album did. Yeah, there's a band called Therapy Question Mark, and they're from Ireland, and, and they've been putting out records for like 30 years. And if you heard the first one, it's sort of techno-punk, and then they have some crazy ones that are like metal, some other ones that are like hip-hop, and you could hear them in a dance hall. Yeah. And and it and I like that. I, I like yeah. that kind of thing where they're willing to experiment, and, and for their fans, to mm-hmm. have the trust in their fans yeah. to say, we're going to put this out, and if you dug our Nurse album, you may not like suicide packed you first that might not do it for you but uh, just hold on because w- the next one will be a little different that might oh, be yeah. more, your, your oh no my tea. favorite bands are the beatles you know pink floyd the shins the gorillas radiohead so I, I like bands that you know switch it up right on right on music is so rad and mm-hmm. especially you know uh we were talking uh prior to coming on and you started actually creating your own music playing music um around the age of 18 or so i mean i had a guitar when I turned 13, but having a guitar and being able to play the guitar, yes. two totally different things. And then being able to play the guitar whilst singing is another totally different thing. I had like the biggest mental block. I could not sing while playing for the longest time. And then for some reason, when I was in college, something clicked and it was uh, in the aeroplane over the sea by Neutral Milk Hotel that just for some reason clicked and I could sing while playing. It was the weirdest thing. My wife is a big fan of Neutral Milk Hotel. I got to see them when they toured uh, a couple years ago. I was was so pumped. Yeah, she's a big fan. When did you pick up a ukulele? Five, six years ago, five-ish years ago, yeah, six years ago. Yeah, it's fun to watch you. I love that thing. You can't, <laughs> you can't be in a bad mood when you're playing ukulele. It's in. Okay, I take that back. If you play the Iron and Wine version of "Such Great Heights" by the Postal Service, then you can be sad while playing ukulele. But beyond that, it's like near impossible. And and it, it translates through. I've seen you do a few different things on uh, social media, and and that kind of joy translate. You cannot not smile well, when you, you see see somebody crushing it on a ukulele. It's, it's just, just fun. Yeah. It's just, I, and it's funny because I, I was always a guitar guy, but like from now on when I've like been playing at home, I just the uke's just sitting there, you know, the guitar's in the case, and I'm gonna play case and blah blah blah. And the uke's just kind of there, and I now have three ukes. 
um, all for different purposes. Um, and I remember the first one I bought was like 15 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, if I learn how to play it, I'll get another one that's nicer. I love that thing. That's the way I was with the drums. I didn't start playing the drums until I was 18. Okay. And I bought a cheap set from Pawn Shop. I was sitting on pickle buckets, didn't even have. And I thought, like, like same with skateboarding. I got a cheap skateboard. And I'm like, ah, if I wear it out, I'll get another one. Let if me I make one thing very it. clear, though. I am good enough of a rhythm guitarist and ukulele player. I am by no means like some amazing. I basically can play those instruments to sing. My, my main strength, I'd say, is singing. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I think you're selling yourself a little short, but that's just me. <laughs> with drums, I feel the same way. I'm like a boring Charlie Watts kind of player. I'm a good pocket drummer. I like David Grohl and, and okay. the guys who are, who, I don't need to do a 20-minute drum solo. I need to keep time and make sure that the song fits together, and I'm okay with that. Like a Ringo. Yeah, Ringo as well, you know, and and um, I think that's the most important part. I'm never going to be Neil Peart. I, I, I'm not going to be Danny Carey from Tool. Like, that's just not my thing. A good pocket drummer. Try to be a little bit exciting live and, and just do my part, you know. Um, but uh, you talked about Rob Polson, mm-hmm. and you hinted at some of um, – your uh, upcoming projects, uh, what's in the hopper? Because, you know, I, I, I brought up in a downtime in our world's history, some of the most, the biggest things have happened for the creatives, the entrepreneurs. They see this time as a time to like eat, dig deep. And, 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 you know, for me, it's been very much that oh, way. Yeah. I'm saying, how can I, uh, how, how can I take advantage of this? And, and not saying take advantage in a bad way. No, I'm no. not trying to take advantage of people, but how can I take advantage of this gotta, time? Gotta turn the Corona into lemonade. Yes, exactly. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you got working. You don't have to. You don't have to divulge it all. Um, but well, I'll say what I can. Okay. Um, realistically, um, you know, I've had this set of superhero characters going on. The first two were created 18 years ago, um, and I've done a couple live action shorts. They were horrible. <laughs> um, and so a couple years ago, my buddy goes, "You should do an animated pilot." And I go, "Huh?" Because I can't draw to save my life. The original character drawings were like sketches in my notebook when I was like not paying attention in class. So, um, like I said, Rob was the guest on Demon Weekly, the second episode. We kept in touch. I was out in L.A. Um, we had breakfast. I showed him uh, some drawings, and he said, sent over the pitch Bible and the script. We did that. Um, he loved it and was super gracious. As the what and what? Pitch Bible and the script. Can you explain yes. that to me and our so viewers? I, I don't know. I, I I'm totally not can. Keen to so this the stuff. script was the you know the, obviously the show script um, for the pilot, and then the pitch Bible was essentially this is the show. You know, like it's a brief little packet you can give to someone and be like, this is generally what the show is. Is it like a storyboard or written word? There's both. There's drawings and you know, okay. For, it's so a pitch Bible for an animated pilot or a project is completely different than your normal pitch Bible. Okay. Your normal pitch Bible. Um, is more like, okay, here's our, this if it's for a TV show. Um, not only here's the pilot, but this is where I'm going, like with the season arc, stuff like that. Whereas the, the animated pitch Bible, at least in, in the research I've done and what I've came across, is they're more larger picture. You know what I mean? They're more like, this is generally what the show is. I mean, you have to have your comparables and your all that stuff and your budgets, and those are all the same. But for the most part, it's more of a broad strokes thing. I've noticed, um, at least from what I came across so far. And I'm sure um, 
like anything in the creative world, uh, that's the jumping off point. And then you get, you know, you're like, well, we didn't even start it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I just got in the door with that, but look what actually really happened. That you know? is exactly where we're at right now. Um, you know, Rob, who is like the salt of the earth, like the nicest person you could ever possibly meet. And that's saying something because I'm in a room with you right now. And like, I, you know, I've been very fortunate to meet some of like, the nicest people ever, but he is like, I don't, it's not humanly possible how nice he is. Um, and he, you know, he loved everything and he agreed to be on board. Um, and he was like, who can I get for you? And he basically offered, you know, to ask anybody. Um, so we got, he brought Maurice LaMarche on board, who's voice of brain nice. and like a bunch of other voices. I can't even list all of them. Um, and then I met Jeff for twisted tune stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff, um, actually came on the project as my casting director. And ever since then, it's been, the most surreal experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I, I've been fortunate to have now directed um, people I've watched in movies and on TV. Um, we got Ross Marquand on board, who um, he's on The Walking Dead. He's Aaron on The Walking Dead, but he was the voice of Red Skull in Infinity War and Endgame. Um, we're recording. I'm, I, I can say it after Monday, but we're recording uh, my favorite character on Monday with my. It was my dream casting. Actually, this whole project, out of except for one or two characters, I've gotten. Who it's been crazy, and uh, we got Sean Astin on board. Nice um, as himself. He is playing an over like comedic, overly comedic, like super satirized version of himself in superhero form. Um, and, um, who else we got? We have, um, of course, you know, Robin Moe are on board. We have Jess Harnell, who's the voice of Wacko from Animaniacs. Um, Richard Horvitz, who's the voice of Invader Zim and was the original Alpha 5. Um, Fred Tatisher, who's uh, the voice of Vader whenever James Earl Jones doesn't do it, basically. No way. Um, basically, pretty much, whenever, yeah. And, um, we have Vanessa Marshall, um, who is, um, the voice of Hera on Star Wars Rebels. It just ended in a bunch of, I mean, I, I grew this show in of itself is so inspired by all of the shows that these people were on. Like, um, so Avenging Justice is it's SNL meets Looney Tunes with superheroes, basically animated. Um, and so a lot of the characters are satirical takes on characters I grew up loving. And um, so we have these characters called the legendary time lost painters who are Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello and Raphael. But they're the actual painters from history. Oh, nice. Pulled out of time. We got the voices of the turtles from the 8990 series to be those characters. Um, I that uh, this whole process like has been like a pinch me kind of thing. But the, the 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 two times I've really freaked out were about two minutes before I got on the phone with Sean Astin. Um, like total like oh my god like this is and then um, Townsend Coleman. Uh, everyone's been amazing and it's been the coolest experience ever. But I growing up Townsend Coleman is Michelangelo, and that was my turtle. Um, and it has been my turtle. I'm 30, and I still watch Ninja Turtles, and Mikey's still my turtle. So to get to you know get to direct him and some of these people who I, I admire so much, and and the things that they've been involved with have a direct. In, the show wouldn't exist without all of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple more people I can't say yet that I, I'll have to come back on after we can announce them. And it's I don't even know what's going on. I'm kind of just along for the ride. Now our we talking movie series both what do you what do you have in mind for for uh, the initial the longevity those kinds of things so um, the show itself is very much like Looney Tunes where it's not episodic so it's sketches so you don't need to watch every episode to know what's going on so I, I I'm trying to build it that way so it could run for because we have 190 plus characters 
Um, we're only going to introduce like 15 or so in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the goal is animated series, spinoffs, um, comic books. You know, I, I love these characters. I've built this universe for almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, to have the possibility of being able to play with it on such a large scale is um, slightly terrifying. Um, and as, to be honest, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything yet. Like until I'm watching it on like the TV, like until it's like if it's picked up and I'm watching it on like whatever channel it ends up on, I'm not going to feel like I've accomplished it yet. Um, and I, I find that thinking like that has really benefited me in the sense of I'm, I've really tried to not get ahead of myself mm-hmm. and it's been about a three year process now, but we're like getting to the finish line and it's. I say it a lot, you know, things are moving in a great direction as long as I stay out of my own effing way. I say it all the time. and uh, I thankfully am surrounded by people like David yeah. and Angel and Corey and Andy and um, Ash, um, who is a huge part of Geektainment. Ash Paulson, Rob Sutton became really good friends. Him and I talk daily. Um, I, like I said, I'm nothing without them. Literally none of this happens without every single one of them. That's nothing. so rad. So rad. Now, uh in, in when you are and this is for all you guys you know the show is is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself and something i've realized about myself recently is uh, i really enjoy the process sometimes the goal is like ends up being second nature because the process is so fun i've heard a there's a very famous uh speaker i don't even know what you'd call him his name's gary v and he said the same thing he's like he loves the process he's in the process right now of trying to raise enough money to buy the new york jets and he's like i love the process and and i i I make goals in my life i i I look at things i have a vision in my head sometimes and and the process is is very enjoyable Mm -hmm. How, you feel the same way? Oh, I live it. I, what, there, I never feel more alive than when I am on a set or I'm directing something or um, especially now that I'm confident I could do it. You know, for years it was like, can I do this? Can I do this? And uh, one of the big things I've taken away from this process so far with the pilot is that I can do this. Um, and I don't longer question that. Um it's I love I live for the process I live it because when it's done it's done and you, and by the time it's done you've watched it as someone you know like I watched the 404 diner hundreds of times before we we've had the final cut right you know so I'm like I'm ready to move on to the next thing because it is the process it's well totally and I think in 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 10 years when you haven't looked at the 404 diner in 10 years and then you go back and and maybe watch a little snippet watch a little bit of it you you can uh, maybe give yourself a pat on the back at that time I got no I, I will say the 404 diner is probably one of the things I'm most proud of as a producer cool. um, we I think we knocked that thing out of the park um, Cole did a great job directing I love the story we crafted um, our crew shooting we shot on film which was awesome um, you know and Dave David was on that crew yeah um, and um, so it was Corey and like I said I, I, I live for that stuff and I, I know the 404 specifically I'm actually very very proud of um, well and and Cole was all over the map, I believe. Like last year, uh, I mean, the the film was doing well, a bunch of you know winning awards and, yeah. and really turning some heads around the the world. Really, uh, people were paying attention. It was yeah. cool. I thought that was very cool. It was and, very and, cool. And Cole is so modest. You yourself are, are, are a modest guy, and 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 it's like, all right, that's rad. We did that. Now let's. What's next? Well, who know, am I? You know, I'm doing what I enjoy. But who am I? Who am I? Yeah, whatever. You know, I'm sitting here with Ian Benzman, and uh, I mean, we've gotten a ton, 
episode two to right now, what you're watching has been great. Go back and watch episode one, get a little bit of uh, stuff. And I, I believe in, in season, the rest of season two and moving on season three, four, five of the drop-in, Ian's going to end up being a regular here because there's, there's new things coming all the time. And I wanted to bring up, because a lot of people... Uh, I mean, people my age know who the Animaniacs are. A lot of people never even heard of the Animaniacs. They will, though, next year. Dude, that... that, It's coming back. In syndication. I couldn't believe... Like, you should be able to find that cartoon on every single station. It's on Hulu now. And now it is. It's on Hulu. Oh, And they're bringing back with new episodes starting next year. Oh, my word. The old episodes. Epic. Epic. I mean, uh, it that was, was the it, hardest thing ever. Not talking about. I, 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 I. It slipped somehow. It slipped, and I heard about the Animaniacs thing. And I couldn't say anything. And then we were doing Geek Tame Weekly, and it was on the rundown. And I was like, Oh, thank God, we can finally talk about it. It, it is it underrated, and I think just because it hasn't been overexposed. Brilliant. Brilliant. Peaking yes. in the brain, particularly. I. And I what was it? God. The good pigeons, God pigeons. Yeah, yeah, the pigeons. They were so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, uh, they had the like the family with the, the they would just explode like instantly. I, I don't remember I the name lo- of that. Or then that show was so it was it's one of those it was like the epitome of for kids but for adults. Yes, you yes. Know, like like oh fingerprints, fingerprints. Why? Why? You know, like <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like sure. And dot the 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 sister. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're already out of time. It goes it, quick. Let's get quick. If, if folks want to keep up with what you're doing, where you're at, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I am on Instagram at Semi Mad Hatter. That's pretty much generally my name everywhere. The band's in the cloud, and uh, production company's 10 Sixth. All right. It goes quick. Ian, thank you so much oh, for, for spending me, some man. time Any with time. me. And thank you guys. You know, where else can you get this? We just got to pick the brain of one of the most motivational people I've met in the last two years. And he's going to be a regular here on the drop in, so I'm stoked about that. But thank you guys. Guys, man, just remember, get off get off your couch, make life happen, live life. You get one shot, and it's your choice. It is your choice to make the most of it. Thank you once again. I am Gerald Valley. That's Ian Benzman, and this is The Drop-In.